Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. I got to get to work now. Um, I don't. We're movie buffs in our home, so Awakening was a movie that we loved. It was a movie that starred Robin Williams and Robert De Niro. Did anybody see this movie? Came out sometime in the '80s, I believe. And uh, and it's really it's based on some real events of a doctor's extraordinary work. It was back in the '60s, and uh, he was working with a group of catatonic uh, patients. And he was trying to get permission to use a drug called L-Dopa. Uh, and it was a drug at that time that was being used for treating those that had Parkinson's disease. And, um, and so he got permission to use this on these patients that were incoherent, that were nonverbal. And, and if you've seen the movie, and the title kind of gives it away, there was this great awakening, and all these patients began to talk and to communicate. It's kind of cool. Well, I wanted to use that as an illustration. I didn't even know it. Jake showed me this today. There's no such thing as a simple miracle. How many wouldn't mind if there's a miracle in the house today? Amen, right? And, um, and so I want you to have an awakening. And I just couldn't close this service until I made this statement. I want you to have an awakening to God's grace. Now, that's a hard statement to make, and it's a hard something to sell in the church because as Christians, we all say we're under grace. But I want you to have an awakening to the righteousness you have because of the grace and the price that Jesus paid. Let me do a little bit of recap real quick just in your hearing because I want you to be impressed by all the A letters that I used. All right, everybody? So uh, here was the way the series, the subtitles work. First week, we talked about amazing grace. Second week, we talked about uh, abundant grace. Third week, we talked about archive grace. And I named it that because we went back into the Old Testament and showing you how grace was evident in the Ark of the Covenant. All right. Number four, uh, which we thought was the last week, was acceptable grace. But come on, here's my fifth A, everybody. Today is awakening grace, huh? Come on now, all right. And here's the point. I want you, I want everybody listening online, I want everybody that ever clicks on this message a month from now, a year from now, or two years from now, I want it to awake you to righteousness. I'm doing a deep dive right now in the book of Romans. I wanted to have it ready to preach to you in 2022, but it's really taken me uh, some serious study. I might get to it either late in 2022 or early in 2023, but I'm studying Romans, and the word, the whole key, the whole hinge pin of the verb, of the whole book, is one verse that talks about we are now righteous because of Christ. Righteous, we're in right standing all the time, not just on Sundays. Come on, all the time. You're righteous. Born-again believers are righteous in Christ all the time. Look at your neighbor and say he's talking to you, all right? Just do that, because I, I think some of you need to be awakened physically, all right? So I, I, I want you to be awakened to righteousness. Let me say it another way. I, 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 I want you to have a righteous conscience more than you have a sin conscience, because what I see in the church a lot, and I've been in the church all my life, so I've been in the church mm, a long time, all right? And, and what I see a lot of times, I don't have any scientific facts or statistics on this, but I see that a lot of Christians understand grace here, 
and we know about the doctrine of grace, although it's not really a doctrine, it's a person, and his name is Jesus. And, and so it, um, what I see is more Christians have a consciousness of sin than we have a consciousness of righteousness. So what that means is we're always worried about messing up. And when we do mess up, we feel like we're out, and God's favor can't be on us, and we haven't done enough, we haven't prayed enough, we haven't, all those things that we say, that's a sin consciousness, it's a, it's a failure consciousness. What I want us to have is a righteous consciousness, which means even when we mess up, there is now therefore no condemnation. We are in right standing with Jesus. Come on, somebody. That's good news today, right? All right. And so, um, uh, so when Jesus came to the earth, as you've been on this series with me, there was the Old Testament and there's the New Testament. The Old Testament was the law dispensation. The New, dis- the, the New Testament is the new dispensation. So when Jesus left heaven and came to earth to show the love of God, knowing that we couldn't keep the laws, the Old Testament laws, So Jesus shows up and he begins to transition us, or as we've talked about in the series, divide the word of God into two parts, the old and the new. Jesus shows up and he begins the process of getting us into the grace dispensation. It doesn't officially kick off until Jesus is crucified, his death, burial, then resurrection, and as he rises from the dead, what happens is he fulfilled all of the law, And so now we're under this grace dispensation. That's why when you read some things in the gospel, they're still law-oriented, okay? Because the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus hasn't happened yet. Everybody with me so far? Okay, so at the same time, this is very important, at the same time that Jesus was transitioning us from the old covenant to the new covenant, there was something else happening, and he came to his disciples and he said this, he said, it's going to be better for me that I leave so that I can send another one to you. The, the Greek word is parakletus, but I won't bore you with that. It's another that's me, but looks different than me, a helper. So, so Jesus, watch this, as he's transitioning from the old to the new, he's also transitioning from him being there in the flesh to him leaving And now, us having the Holy Spirit not live with us like Jesus did in the flesh, but He's coming as another form, the Spirit, and going to live in us, therefore transitioning us also also from behavioral modification of the law to inside-out modification because the Spirit is living inside of us. Come on, everybody with me? All right. Okay. So that's kind of, all those things are happening at once. In fact, the, the scripture I'm going to take you to in just a moment is Jesus, right before he's crucified, he's telling them, hey guys, I'm getting ready to leave. <laughs> There's this crucifixion thing getting ready to happen. I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send another to you. Okay, then he, death, burial, and resurrection, and then we find him, and he appears to his disciples. In fact, just jot this down. This isn't on the notes, but this is a little extra. Jot this down. John chapter number 20, verse number 22 really records the disciples' salvation. What? Nobody was getting saved prior to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. They were following law for righteousness. Oh, I've messed with you, didn't I? I love when I have little question marks hovering above your heads. I love this. I lo- and if I do my job good, <laughs> you'll have little light bulbs above your head before we're done, all right? So in John 20, 22, the Bible says that Jesus, this is after he's 
rose from the dead. The Bible says that he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Mm. He said it would be better for me to leave because, Peter, I can only cover your mistakes so often. I mean, I can only hang out with you so often. I can only say, no, 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 don't do that. Peter, what are you doing? It'll be better if I leave and I am no longer with you, but I can be in you and go wherever you go and now guide you from the inside out rather than from the outside in. Come on. Is everybody following that? Okay, so the Holy Spirit then is a part of the Trinity. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We're made in God's image. We're made a body. We have a spirit, and we have a soul, which is our mind and our psyche and all that. Another message, another time. But the person of the Holy Spirit is real and part of the Godhead Trinity, the Trinity of God, okay? And he is often misunderstood. And oftentimes what I hear Christians talk about regarding the Holy Spirit makes the Holy Spirit sounds like a nag. How many have known nobody wants a nag? Nobody can live with a nag. Can I get an amen? Men are very afraid to say anything right now. I can say, they're winking at me like... They're twitching. No, 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 no. Okay. We can't live. I heard a preacher one time. I, heard, I get in so many trouble. Okay. I heard a preacher one time preach a message, and he was trying to be complimentary to the Holy Spirit, and he preached a message called the Hound of Heaven. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit. And I, I, I sat and I listened to this message, and I thought, how wrong is that? The Holy Spirit is not the Hound of Heaven trying to sniff out your sin and aha, gotcha, aha, gotcha, aha. That is not who the Holy Spirit is. And that's what I want to clarify today. As Christians, the Holy Spirit, watch this, this is going to be a, something earth-shattering if you grew up in church with a wrong understanding. The Holy Spirit is not there to convict Christians of sin. Thank you, Mark. Hey, come on up here, I'll preach to you, all right? I hear Christians talk about, oh, I, I was just so convicted of the Holy Spirit of this sin in my life. Now, I'm going to give you biblical reference, and we're going to dive into this. The Holy Spirit is there, but He's there to lead us into truth, and He's there to remind us that we are the righteousness of God. I don't know about you, but I need it. I need it a lot. I needed it this morning. I need it right now, because I'm not getting any right standing from you. Come on now, all right? Okay, He never comes to show us how bad we are. Come on, everybody. How many know you have a good enough time doing that all by yourself, right? He doesn't come to show us how bad we are. As a matter of fact, when we, when we think that's the job of the Holy Spirit, to show us how bad and how much we've messed up, what we've really done is taken the character of the devil and put it on the Holy Spirit. Because the devil is the one that's always reminding you how bad you are. Am I right about it? As a matter of fact, the Bible says the, the Hebrew word for devil actually means accuser. How many of you are familiar with him, right? He's always accusing us of something. He's always accusing us of doing something wrong. That is not the job of the Holy Spirit. And so we'll dive into that right now. I really, First of all, let me just say this. I don't really need the Holy Spirit to remind me of where I, I've messed up. I don't need that. Matter of fact, I have a conscience for that. Does anybody else? Now, the Bible does tell us we can do so much that our conscience becomes seared. 
But how many of you know, before you knew Jesus, there were some things you were doing that you knew. You had never read a Bible verse. But there were some things you were doing. Don't look at me like you've been in church all your life either. Come on, Jillian. All right, I mean, I, sorry, that slipped. I don't know why that came out. You just happened to be looking at me, right? When, uh, don't, uh, the, the, uh, yeah, okay. We have a conscience for that. So before we ever came to church, we did things that, oh, yeah, that, that was bad. That, that wasn't, how many know I'm right about that? I told you I was doing a deep dive on the book of Romans, and I hope to bring the entirety of that book to you here within the next 12 months. But um, the Bible says in Romans 1 that he put a consciousness in us, a God conscience. So even if we never hear the gospel preached, we still are aware that there has to be this higher being. In fact, chapter number 2 of Romans, let me read one verse to you. Uh, they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. In other words, we know right from right. Somehow it's ingrained in us. We're made in the image of God. So we have this conscience. Watch this. Their conscience has all also bearing witness and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending it. That's your conscience doing that. We don't need the Holy Spirit. We don't even have to be born again to know who that I shouldn't have done that <laughs> I shouldn't have ran that guy off the road you know what I'm talking about those, those are just things that we know okay and so you you do a pretty good job yourself if you're anything like me you do a pretty good job yourself beating yourself up for your shortcomings am I right let me see who's right and if you're not, if you don't do a good job beating yourself up for your shortcomings that's why we have marriage and that's why we have spouses all right <laughs> So our spouses can remind us what our shortcomings are. Hey, everybody, you might think that's rough, but it's true. The first few years of marriage is not about learning who they are. The first few years of marriage is a mirror. You're learning, I got issues. How many know I'm right about it? Come on now, all right? Now, actually, what Jesus is saying is that the Holy Spirit will come and live in you and direct you from the inside out. And so that way, we have a righteous conscience rather than a law or a sin conscience. He said, I will send the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we are being led by him internally to externally, not externally trying to follow rules. Okay? So let me give you this so we can get to it. John, chapter. He, this is right before the crucifixion. Here's part of the speeches that Jesus was giving to his disciples. John chapter number 16, watch this. Jesus is speaking. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is, it, it, it is to your advantage that I go away. He said, this is going to be better for you. I know you like me here hanging out, but there's some people over there in Mount Vernon, Washington, that I can't be with them. My flesh is limited. Okay, so it's going to be better for you, for if I do not go away, the helper, notice the word, there's not a single word that makes him sound like a nag or a hound. The helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. Now watch this, here's the crux of this message right here. And when he has come, John 20, 22, the first sign of the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling inside. Old Testament, we've seen the Holy Spirit come all the time and come upon. Remember Samson? Anybody ever heard of Samson? The Bible says, and the Spirit of God came upon Samson, and he defeated the Philistines. But for the first time ever, the Holy Spirit, New Testament, is not coming upon and visiting. He's coming in and residing. 
This good stuff right here, I don't care what you say, all right? And when he has come, watch what he's going to do. Because I just told you the Holy Spirit does not convict us of sin, us being the church. But watch this. He will convict the world of sin, the non-believers, which all of us fit in that category at one time or another. And the reason that you have given your life to the Lord is because the Holy Spirit moved upon your heart and He convicted you of, notice it's not plural, it's singular. He doesn't convict you. Aren't you glad He doesn't convict you of every sin? Because some of you would need to be repenting in the last 30 seconds. (laughs) He's not convinced, uh-oh, forgive me God. Oh, forgive me again. I mean, I don't know how many steps you could get down the road without. He's not convicting you of your sins as in the acts of sin. He's convicting the world that we are away from Christ, that we are born as sinners, that we are born spiritually dead. Come on. The greatest manifestation of the Holy Spirit is that He draws men and women to Himself. That's why every week, almost every week here, people give their life to the Lord and we celebrate because the presence of the Holy Spirit is active. Ken's not convicting, but the Holy Spirit is drawing people to Christ. You guys with me? Let's look at the other two parts of this. And of righteousness, so he will convict the world of sin. Remember I told you he'll convict us of righteousness. And of righteousness and of judgment. Wow. Okay, so that's his role. I'm going to break this down. Three quick parts. Three convictions that we need to pay attention to and who the convictions go to. Number one, out of three convictions, is the conviction of sin. So let's break this down. Who is being convicted of sin? When we go back to that scripture verse, the scripture verse says it's the world. Who is the world? Every single one of us at one time are the world. But if you're a born-again believer, how many know you're in the world, but you're not of the world, right? Okay, so he's convicting the world of sin, singular, the singular sin. Sin just means missing the mark. What it really is, is that we are born as sinners. We're born spiritually dead because Adam forfeited the the keys of the earth to the devil when he sinned. he, He forfeited dominion over the earth. That's why the earth is chaotic. Come on, did anybody see some chaos this week? I know you did, unless you were like under the covers. That's why our bodies go into chaos and our beautiful, luxurious locks fall off, okay? So our bodies are in chaos, and we're fighting diseases and sickness. Our world is in chaos because Adam forfeited the keys of this world. Therefore, the devil becomes the prince of this world. Is this too deep a teaching on a Sunday morning? Come on. Okay, so he's convicting the world. Why? Because the world doesn't believe in him. And they won't know him unless the Holy Spirit convicts them now the holy spirit needs some truth to work with that's why we come to church preachers supposedly preach the truth or the bible and then the holy spirit has some truth to work with to draw people unto him does that make sense everybody with me okay um so let me say it another way we're not sinners because we do the act of sin we do the act of sin because we are sinners 
Okay, all right. So remember this verse. I'll just give it to you. It was in this series. I won't go through it. Romans chapter number five, verse number 17. So if by the trespasses of one man, death reigned. The one man was Adam. So death reigned. Sin reigned. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of what? Grace and righteousness uh, reign through one man, Jesus Christ. So we, we're not sinners because we did the act of sin. Watch this. Neither then are we righteous because of our act of righteousness. You're not righteous because you came to church today. You came to church today not because you have to, but because you want to because of the grace of Jesus that made you in right standing with him. Come on now. Right? Okay. All right. All right. So number two. Come on. How's that for a fast point? Huh? Didn't think I could do it, huh? Number two. Number two, so he's convicting uh, of sin of the world. Now, here's where I want you to see this. And of righteousness. If he's convicting the world of sin, he's also convicting of righteousness. Who is getting convicted of righteousness? The body of believers. The Christians. You already know when you mess up. Come on, am I right? 100% of the time you know when you mess up. And if you didn't know it, somebody will let you know that you messed up. We don't need the Holy Spirit to do that. The Holy Spirit's job is not to condemn our mess at all. I'll show you that through Scripture. So who is being convicted of righteousness? Those of us that have received the grace of God and are in righteousness with God because of the grace of God how many of you are like me and you need to be reminded that you're the righteousness of God? Can I just see it? Take a poll here. Okay, maybe 70%. All right. Uh, the rest of you will work on. And, and here's how I know he's convicting the church, the Christians, because he says, I go to the Father. He's not your father if you're not a born-again believer. He's the creator of all, but he's not the father of all. He doesn't become our father until we receive him as adoption. And we allow him to adopt us. Come on now. He says, I convict of righteousness because I go to the Father. He, he goes to the Father on our behalf. His blood covers us so when the Father looks down, he doesn't see me. He sees Jesus. This is my beloved Son who I am well pleased. Right? Isn't that good? Okay. So when we mess up, here's the thing. I want Christians to grab I know it's easy to grab here. I want you to grab it here so it reflects in your everyday life. When it reflects in your everyday life, it'll give you the power to overcome the issues that we're struggling with. I don't preach messages about five ways to overcome this or seven ways. To, I don't preach that way because if you can get a revelation of grace and righteousness, grace and righteousness, for those of you that were here, will prevent you when you mess up to go back fishing. Remember that? Instead, Peter, you won't go back fishing because you go back to what you're used to. You'll jump out of the boat and embrace Jesus because no matter what you've done to mess up, he still calls you righteous, and that makes me want to be closer to him. It doesn't push me farther from him. Right, everyone? Come on, are you getting something out of that? Okay, so, so when we mess up, anybody mess up in the last um, month? Let me just see your hand. I'm trying to get you to activate here. Anybody mess up in the last 30 minutes? Like before you, how many had a knockdown, drag out fight before you even got to church? Let me see here. Uh, all right. Nobody wants to admit that one. Somebody did. In a crowd this size, somebody did. All right. I'm just saying. All right. So when we mess up, we're not out. It's not, he loves me, he loves me not. Can you imagine? I want to preach a message one day called Schizophrenia Christianity. 
Because that's serious. And I don't mean to make fun of the disease or the disorder, but it's true. Oh, he loves me today because I went to church. Oh, he doesn't today because I had a bad thought. No, he loves you. 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 And, and, and the Holy Spirit makes sure there's no condemnation. I'm going to read this familiar verse, but I want to read more than the first verse, all right? So check it out. Romans chapter 8 says this. Most of you know it. Therefore, there is now, as believers in Christ, there is no condemnation. None. No condemnation. So whenever you feel condemnation, that is not the Holy Spirit. That is the devil. And we got to make sure we understand the differences in their role. The Holy Spirit is reminding you of your righteousness. The devil is reminding you of your mess up. Okay, he's the accuser. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit was, who gives life has set you free from the law of death. You've been set free from the law of death. Do I have any more on that one? Uh, yeah. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did, this is an interesting verse, God did by sending His own Son, watch this, in the likeness of sinful flesh. He didn't send Jesus as a sinner, but born in the flesh, in the likeness of sinners, born like we're born, because in order to redeem us, He had to be related to us, so that He could relate to us. Man, I just said a whole bunch right there, all right? Um, so that he would be the sin offering. He couldn't be the sin offering unless he, he walked where we walk and fulfilled the law so that he could be, because the law required that perfection, okay? In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met. That's how I know we're always righteous, because Jesus fully met the law, uh, uh, the requirements of righteousness. And when we receive him, we get everything that he comes with, which is righteousness. Come on now, all right? So we do not live according to the flesh, condemnation, but according to the spirit, righteousness. All right? Okay. Um, the Holy Spirit is reminding us of our position with Christ. Let me give you one more. John 14. Here's another thing that Jesus is telling his disciples. But the advocate, the advocate is the Holy Spirit. I'll define that in just a second. Whom the Father will send in my name. Watch this what he does. He will teach you all things and remind you everything I have said to you. The thing he's reminding us is that we are, he already fulfilled the law. So when we mess up, yeah, but we're in Jesus. He's there to remind us of our righteousness in Christ, right? So the word advocate, but the advocate, the word advocate means, watch this, I love this, someone who stands for or support of. Can you imagine you're in court? Well, okay, not you. I'm in court, and I'm, I'm guilty. Bam, guilty as charged. But I have the Holy Spirit standing right next to me saying, Your Honor, law, the requirements of the law, the penalty of this sin, this lawbreaker, has already been paid. Somebody already went to prison, defeated prison, defeated hell, defeated the grave. Come on now. And your honor, he now is in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit is standing there making that argument for me to remind me I am righteous in Christ. Man, I love that. Come on. He's there to help us. 
not to condemn us. You say, well, Ken, how do I know the difference between conviction and condemnation? Well, there's a lot of theology behind that, but let me give you a quick reference Reader's Digest guide to that, okay? Condemnation makes you want to give up. When, you, when the devil is accusing you, you feel like things like this. Tell me if you haven't felt it. Oh, what's the use? Some people have come to church and all they do is preach the law and it's not life-giving and they walk out going, I can never be good enough for that place. You feel worse about yourself when you leave than when you came in. Okay, So condemnation makes you want to give up. That's what the devil wants you to do. But when the Holy Spirit convicts us of righteousness, watch this. Conviction of righteousness makes you want to grow up and go up. Here's the difference. If you remember, Peter, he had denied Jesus. Jesus died. He seen Jesus after he rose again, remember? And he went fishing. That's condemnation. I feel like giving up. I'm going back to what's familiar. I'm going back to that drug. I'm going back to that affair. I'm going back to that whatever it is. But conviction makes you want to grow up and go back to Christ. It doesn't push you away from Him. Come on. Hey, are you getting the idea? I want you to awaken to righteousness and not sin. That's what Paul told the church in 1 Corinthians. He told them this, Awake to righteousness and sin not. Some theologians believe it really says, and not to sin. In other words, not to not sin, but don't awaken to sin consciousness. Awaken to righteous consciousness. All right? Okay, so you can jot that down. I've got to keep on. I've got to keep the train moving. All right? So here we go. In Christ, you are, right, you are the righteousness of God. So stop hearing the voice of condemnation. Now, hold on. I don't know if we can stop hearing the voice of condemnation because mm, the accuser is always there. Am I right about it? But we can stop obeying and following the voice of condemnation. And follow. So whenever you feel condemned, like, man, I just cannot get it together, that's when you need to verbally say, nope, I am the righteousness of God because of Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God because of Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God because of Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God because of Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, I have to say that a lot. I do. I have to say that a lot. And a lot of it has to do with how you grew up and what theology you grew up under. But I am the righteousness of God because of Christ Jesus. Therefore, nobody ever has to tell me to worship my God because he's provided some pretty cool stuff for me. Amen, everybody. <laughs> Hear the voice of righteousness. Um, now, just as a reminder, God's judgment for our mess-ups, remember? Because it doesn't mean that we didn't mess up. We all still mess up, <laughs> okay, just in case you didn't know. So, but God's anger or God's judgment was already put on Jesus for our mess-ups. So when we get in Him, we're under Him, and we're under His righteousness, all right? Watch what else Jesus says as He's talking about the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. In other words, man, I got so much, but you can't even handle it all. But when the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of truth, watch this. See, condemnation is a lie. But when the Spirit of righteousness, the Spirit of God comes, He's the truth. He will guide you. What does He guide you into? He guides you into truth. 
Who is the truth? I am the way, the truth. Jesus is the truth. What is Jesus? Jesus is our grace. He's the good news. So watch this. The Holy Spirit is constantly reminding us of the truth of Jesus, of the grace of Jesus, of the righteousness of Jesus. The truth is, He died, He fulfilled the law, and in Him we are right. He's reminding us of that truth. Come on, everybody. Now, He will speak... Oh, oh man, there's so much in this verse. I need to preach a series on this, all right? He will, it says, he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Here's what that means. When God created you, I'm going to paraphrase this and put it in story form. When God created you and me, he put a born on date, right, everybody? That's our birthday. If you want to know mine, I'll be glad to tell you that and my sizes. Okay, so, <laughs> thought I'd slip that in there. Okay, so, so, so. so he, he gives us a born-on date, and he gives us a dead-on date, okay? Because none of us are getting out of here alive, everybody, all right? Okay, Jesus, maybe Jesus will come tomorrow. But anyway, all right, so, so he put, when God created us, watch this, he put a gift in you. He put gifts in you. He put spiritual gifts in you. He put a certain soul in you, certain likes and dislikes. He, he, he put certain potential in you. Okay, now you're born. Unfortunately, because of the fall of Adam, we're born into this world. The born-on date is still there. So we're born into this world that has fallen. And bad things happen to us. How many know that's true? Bad things happen to you because of maybe bad parents, maybe because of bad people, maybe because of a bad world. Bad things happen to you because of a bad you. You know what I mean? Some decisions are because of other people. Some decisions are because of you. But bad things happen to us. And now we come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. The problem is our spirit is born again immediately, but our soul is in the process of being saved because our soul still has old appetites and old way of thinking. Tell me I'm not right about this, right? And we have old way of thinking and we have old appetites and we have old want to's and we have old habits so the holy spirit comes and what does he speak he speaks only of what he hears what does he hear he heard what god said over you when he created you in heaven and he said i'm creating this one to live on this date with this gift and i am creating him to be more than a conqueror to be the head and not the tail to be the top and not the bottom come on and so the more Holy Spirit we get, the more Holy Spirit will say, this is what I heard God say about you, that you're the righteousness of Jesus, that you're more than a conqueror, that there is now therefore no condemnation. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Woo! Yes. Man, I feel like Scooby-Dooby-Doo, all right? He only speaks of what he hears. So if you're hearing voices that are not in accordance with God, that is condemnation. That is the devil accusing you. But the Holy Spirit is reminding you and speaking what God spoke over your life. Ooh, I love that. i got to get to the last one. We have six minutes. Who believes I'll do it? I love you, my dear. Okay. This is your first time here, isn't it, right? Yeah. She raised her hand. Thank you, believers. All right, okay. The rest of you backsliders. Okay, here we go. Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay, here we go. Number three. Number three is, so there's a conviction of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Uh-oh. Here we go now. Here we go. Come on, all the old, old-time religious people are saying, lower the boom on them now. I'm going to separate them now, Ken. All right, no. The judgment is on the ruler of this world. The judgment's coming on the devil. Mm -hmm. 
Now, there will be a judgment day, but remember we're in this special season of dispensation of grace. There will be a judgment day. Let me give you eschatology in 30 seconds, all right? When Jesus comes, we're all going to stand before him, all of us, sinners and saints alike, right? We're all going to stand at the judgment throne, all right, at the judgment seat. And if our name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, which means we've given our life to Christ, then we go to another line. Those names that's not found in the Lamb's Book of Life, they go to the naughty line. But the line I get to go to is called the Bema Seat. Anybody ever heard that term? That's where he hands out rewards. Because I'll never be judged for my sins because I'm in Christ Jesus. And now I'm going to be judged for my rewards. I'm going to be given my rewards. And every time I gave offerings, and every time I witnessed, and every time I, I lived with an eternity Anytime I glorify, I get rewarded for my work here on earth. That's scriptural, you guys. Jesus said it himself. Lay for yourselves treasures in heaven. And so we get a crown of righteousness in heaven. What? Yeah. And the Bible says we'll lay it down at the feet of Christ. When it's my time to come into Jesus' presence, I don't want to come empty-handed. I want to have some things that I got rewarded at the Bema Seat. Say, thank you, my Lord, and lay at his feet. Ooh, man, that, that sounds like a series we need to do, doesn't it? Everybody? Okay, okay. Um, so that's just some quick stuff. So the world, non-Christians will be judged way down after the world as we know it, okay? Uh, but the judgment is on the ruler of the world, okay? Again, because of the fall of Adam, he forfeited dominion and all that kind of thing. Okay, so... Those are the things. Let me recap this real quick, and then let me give you one final verse to close with. Um, number one, here's what I want you to hear in this verse. The lost, the lost are or is convicted of sin. So the lost are convicted of sin. Those that don't know which we were all in that boat at one time. The world is convicted of sin. That's how the Holy Spirit convicts us that we need Jesus. If the Holy Spirit hadn't convicted you that you need Jesus, then you're not a follower of Christ yet. Okay, that's how we come to know Christ, through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Number two, the saved are convicted of righteousness. Now that we're born again, the Holy Spirit has to constantly remind us there is no condemnation. Okay, and then number three, the devil has been and will be judged, and that's a whole other series, all right? Now, I want to remind you, too, that the Holy Spirit is called our comforter. Could he be a comforter if he's reminding you of your mess-ups all the time? No, he's a comforter, a counselor, an advocate, because he's reminding you of your position in Christ. Wow. Okay, let me close this whole series up. I promise this is the conclusion this time. But I want to give you one verse that I hope the Holy Spirit will just really reveal to you. I spent a lot of my life trying to love God enough. I grew up in the kind of home that was very conditional love then I grew up in a church that the theology was very conditional so in other words God would bless me if does anybody know what I'm talking about if you if you come to revival service every night if you pray every day if you read your bible every those kind of things all right and so God would love me if and so I spent a lot of my life trying to love God enough obey him well enough to love him more to be on fire for God so that I could have his blessings and his acceptance. Um, and so, um, 
basically what that's saying is that I felt his love was very conditional. So he loves me, hmm, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. Um, and, the, and, and the church sometimes can convince you how much you need to love God. That's not the message I'm preaching. I want you to not, I'm not trying to preach to you how much you need to love God. I'm trying to preach to you how much God already loves you. And we love Him because He... Come on, everybody. If we don't get a revelation of that, it's going to be hard to love a God that we don't understand the grace, the price, the righteousness, the love that He already had for us. So Paul was dealing with the same problem in Corinthians, or in the church of Ephesus. And here's what he said to him, and I close with this, this chunk of Scripture. Here's what Paul prays. Here's what I'm praying for you. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray... And I pray that you be rooted and established in love. Mm. May have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Watch this. Here's his prayer. Here's what I want you to get a revelation of. To grasp how wide, how long, how long will you love me, God? How, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ? Oh, isn't that good? But I'm not done. <laughs> and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Some of you are trying to grab this message in your head right now, and it just it doesn't compute. How can God love you? How can I always be the righteousness of Christ? that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now here's the verse that we all quote all the time. But unless we understand the verses that precede it, verse number 20 is an empty refrigerator verse. Because once we grasp how much God loves us, now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more, than all we ask or all we imagine according to His power, His Holy Spirit in us, reminding us of our righteousness in Christ. Come on. Now let me break this down. Come on. Some of you are way ahead of the train. Check this out. Here's what I want you to understand. When you recognize how much God loves you and how much He has paid for you to be in right standing with Him, now as a son and a daughter, as a child of a God that loves you no matter matter what now you have the power to live big to ask big to pray big to believe big because now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundant far more than we can ask far more than we can imagine because he's a good good father give the lord a good hand clap come on everybody Woo! come on come on was the caboose worth it all right, that's good. Would you stand with me all over this place? I want to pray with you today. Father, I love you so much, and I thank you for your goodness. And Lord, I still, every morning, I start the day by saying I love you. 
Lord, I've been trying to break that habit, not because I don't love you. I've been trying to break the habit because I don't need to prove to you my love for you. I need to receive your love for me on an everyday basis. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. I pray everyone right now that is willing to receive more of the Holy Spirit. How do you get more of the work of the Holy Spirit in you? More of the work of righteousness in you? You continue to get in preaching and teaching and Bible studies and Bible reading that talk about the righteousness of Christ. You continue to get that in you. If you're here today, I'm going to just close in two prayers. Number one is that you need this revelation of righteousness, that you're a person, that you love Jesus. You know in your head that you're on your way to heaven, but you struggle under the weightiness of condemnation. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? I'm going to ask God to deliver you from that today. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I break that in Jesus' name. I thank you for righteousness. I thank you for truth. I thank you for, therefore, no condemnation because we are in you. I thank you, Father, for the price that you paid. Jesus, thank you for the price that you paid. As you came to this earth, you lived perfect. You were born perfect. You lived perfect. You died perfect, fulfilling the law so that when I mess up, it's okay because I'm in you. I pray you break those chains of condemnation in Jesus' name. And Father, I also pray If you're in this place and you're not a follower of Christ, you say, hey, Ken, I need to be a follower of Jesus. I've been to church. I've been in religious settings. I've tried to keep all these rules that people have given me, but I've never really been a true grace follower of Jesus. And I want to start that journey today. You might even be a church person. You might not be a church person, but you haven't really known Jesus. You haven't walked with Jesus. If that's you today, I just want to include you in this final prayer. And you'd say, that's me. And you'd just slip your hand up today and say, that's me. I need to get my life right with Christ. Wave it at me because there's some people praising the Lord. All right, I see you. God bless you. Amen, my friend. Amen to you too. Amen to you, my friend. This is so good. Woo, God's happy. Woo, this is a good day. This is a good day for heaven. It's a good day. I love you, Father. Thank you for your love. Woo, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your righteousness, Christ. Thank you for the price you paid. Thank you, Lord. Lord, the longer we serve you, I pray that we don't get immune and we don't get hardened to your wonderful grace. I rebuke the devourer. I I rebuke that voice of the accuser in people's lives in Jesus' name. For those three or four that just have raised their hand, would the rest of the church pray this prayer with me? Man, I love this part of the day. Pray this prayer with me all over this room. Father God, thank you for Jesus. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Come into my life be my Lord. Thank you for your grace. From this day forward, I'm going to walk with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a good hand clap, everybody. Come on, everybody. Just thank you, Lord. Amen. All right. Well, I'm glad you're here. If you want to hang out for another service, there might be leftover tacos. There might not be. Thank you so much for participating in this weekend. I love you guys. I'll see you next weekend. I got something. I think next weekend is going to be the best one ever, everybody. All right? I'll see you then. God bless.